Welcome to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. Today's message is The Centurion's Servant by Pastor Sean Wood. Pray before we get there this morning. Father, thank you that you're here. Father, I thank you that you are always speaking. What my prayer is that we would be listening this morning, that our hearts would be open. Lord God, we know as Paul wrote to the Thessalonians that your word is at work inside of us. So I pray that as your word goes forth, that you would do a work in each and every one of us, I pray. Amen. Amen. This morning, uh, I'm very thankful for the worship team and the message that came through communion and that the Lord brought, because it all seems to tie in. Uh, We serve a God of the supernatural, amen? Amen. Amen. Uh, I remember when I was, uh, and I had many jobs in Tasmania, for those that know a little bit, I I think I had just about every job. Jack of all trades, master of none, they used to call me. Uh, But one of the jobs I had when I was in Tasmania was I worked at the hospital as a cleaner. And uh, I appreciate a couple of things happened while I was at the hospital. Uh, first thing was um, I, I did a day of infection control and overnight became a germophobe and I uh, haven't slept properly since. Uh, another thing happened, though, I realised that in the one building, the one premises, it was like a micro snapshot of the whole world. Because in one building we had... An enormous amount of people that were being treated for illnesses, but those illnesses were different. And each person's individual experience of illness and sickness was different. Some people were in emergency because their needs were pressing. Some people had chronic illnesses that we were more managing than we were curing. We had people that were suffering mental health challenges in some departments of that hospital. And one of the wards I worked on the most was uh, the children's ward, uh, which can fill you with the most joy in one day and can also fill you with the most sadness as well in the one day, just walking down the one corridor. Uh, I remember for all the demographic of illness that was on that ward, I remember there was two rooms at the end of the corridor And there was always a nurse sitting at the front door of that room, and the medical people will know why. But those two rooms were reserved for adolescents that had attempted to take their lives. And the nurse had to be there 24-7 to make sure that nothing happened. And the saddest part of that is that the youngest person I knew in one of those rooms was under 10. The oldest was well into their teens, but one thing was common... There were children laying in those rooms, but they were empty. The truth of the matter is that illness extends far beyond the physical. The truth is that illness even extends to what Jesus diagnosed as very, very spiritual. And for those that were here when we spoke about the healing of the paralytic, uh, we we know what happens, right? Uh, Four men bring a a paralytic to Jesus. They drop him through the roof. And uh, the first thing that Jesus says to the paralytic as he's lying before him is, son, your sins are forgiven. (laughs) How many people know that if you're the paralytic, you're going to stop the bus for a moment, champ? Um, Let's get on to the most pressing thing. I'm kind of paralysed here. Jesus dealt with the greatest issue that that man had, is that you've got a spiritual illness. And this morning... 
uh, is our healing service, where we are intentionally, our intention is simply just to make space for God to meet needs, wherever you are this morning. Because one of the greatest lessons I learned working at the hospital, and I'm not even a medical, I couldn't tell you, the, I couldn't tell you I've got a PH anything. But I, but I did learn something. I learned that the hospital taught me that, you know, doctors can treat, but Jesus heals. I, I learned that 12-step programs can loosen chains, but only Jesus can break them. I, I learned that counsellors, but more particularly psychiatrists, because I spent a little bit of time on the mental health ward, I, I learned that they can medicate, but Jesus can liberate. Hallelujah. And uh, for all the illnesses that we find, Jesus is the only answer. Yes. Yes. Jesus is the only one that can meet our needs, and I believe that he desires to. And so this morning, a little bit of a snapshot of where we're going. If you're sitting here this morning and you think, yeah, I, 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 kind of, I kind of agree with the fact that Jesus heals people, but I don't think he would do it for me because I'm not worthy. I'm glad you turned up today. If that's you this morning, I'm glad you turned up. Uh, if, if you're here this morning because you've heard about Jesus and you're curious, you've come to the right place. As we come to Luke chapter 7 and verse 1, we're going to look at Jesus performed many miracles. And we're going to see, if you have a look at all the miracles in the Gospels, uh, so many people have looked at all the miracles. And by the way, while I was on holidays, I thought, I'm going to read every miracle and pull it all apart and, and just find out what's... I, I went into the book of Acts because many people try to find commonalities. What's, what's the formula here? Well, what's the... There's no formula. I couldn't find an ABC, I couldn't find a 1, 2, 3, but I found some commonalities. Uh, one commonality is Jesus. Uh, I, I found that an array of people had an array of different problems, but there was one commonality. When they met Christ, something changed. The other commonality I found was that when you mix Jesus with faith, something happens. Each person's story is different, if you read all the gospel accounts, by the way. Sometimes people cried out for Jesus, sometimes Jesus approached them. But Jesus is the one that breaks change. Let's, let's read about a centurion, because of all the miracles, I thought this one was the best, because this one's really freaky. This one, this miracle just blows parameters and formulas right out the window. It says, after he had finished all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. Now, if you're from the north side, it could be Capernaum. But for us here on the south side, we'll stick to Capernaum. <laughs> if you're from Tassie, then I won't pronounce how it comes from Tassie. But, but he entered Capernaum, and Capernaum's a really interesting place because it kind of sums up the culture and the society sometimes that we live in today. We have a misconception today that miracles equal faith, that we have to have miracles and then people will have faith. No, it's the other way around. 
But what happened in Capernaum highlights this because in Capernaum what we see is many miracles happen in this town. In fact, by the time Jesus is here and the Roman centurion approaches him, by the time this happens, at the very least, the official son in John chapter 4 has been healed and many other healings have happened beforehand. But then Jesus would say of Capernaum, He would say, woe to you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? No, you will be brought down. Why? Because if the miracles that have been performed in you had been done in Sodom and Gomorrah, they would stand to today. Wow. So Capernaum experienced many miracles, but their hearts were cold, their hearts were distant, and it didn't increase any faith. Depends on the person it meets it's just like God by the way to do the miraculous in the most unexpected person, that's what we're going to find out today uh, he entered Capernaum, verse 2 now a centurion had a servant who was sick and at the point of death and it's, it's interesting that the first person we meet in this account is a centurion because if there was anybody who was unworthy for Jesus to go out of his way, it's a Roman centurion right? I mean, this guy's a Gentile. Don't forget, we haven't, Jesus hasn't died and risen from the grave yet. We're still under the old covenant. He's a Gentile. He's unclean. And not only that, he's part of an empire that is the instrument of oppression over Israel. These guys were the most unlikely to approach Jesus. But we have some enormously valuable lessons to learn from the centurion today. Because by the time we finish today, Jesus is going to marvel at this man. And as I shared with someone this week, there's only a few occasions in the gospel where Jesus marvels. This is one of them, which is a good marveling. And there's one which is bad, and we'll get to that one later on. Now, a centurion had a servant, and he's got a problem. He's got a servant who was sickened at the point of death and was highly valued. Again, this is countercultural to Rome. You see, Rome, if you were a servant in a Roman's house in the first century, that Roman person had complete power and authority over you. If you stole from them, if you missed, did anything wrong, they could have you put to death. No questions asked. And in fact, not only could you, but it was customary that if you had a servant who was gravely ill, you would have them put to death because they were of no use to you anymore. But this centurion's different. This servant isn't just a piece of property to him. It's a person. It's interesting. Now, a centurion had a servant who was sickened at the point of death, who was highly valued by him. When the centurion, this is a really, really important part of the story, when the centurion heard about Jesus. Uh, why, are we making, why are we having services like this? Why are we doing this? Well, because uh, I am fed up with hearing about Jesus. I think it's time for us to experience Jesus. You know, A.W. Tozer, back in the 50s, he could be alive today, he would be speaking into our times like you wouldn't believe. But back in the 40s and 50s, when A.W. Tozer was, was pastoring, A.W. Tozer said, it is time for us within the Church of Jesus Christ to no longer have scribes, but prophets. And he says, the difference is the scribe could tell you about God from what they had learnt and what they had read. But a prophet will tell you what they have seen, what they have experienced 
what did Jesus what did God say to Jeremiah? Jeremiah, what do you see? And many people hear about Jesus, and we should tell them, by the way. But Jesus is alive and well today. And I believe that he not only can do the miraculous and be experienced today, but that he desires to be. But the Roman centurion didn't simply hear about Jesus. When the centurion heard about Jesus, he did something. Something very profound, which gives us a snapshot of his heart. He, it says that he sent to him elders of the Jews. Now, what is the Roman centurion doing here? Why would he send elders of the Jews? Because he knows that he doesn't have any grounds or any basis. According to the Judaism or the Jewish law, he doesn't have any grounds or basis to approach God. Big difference. You see, he's obviously been impacted by Judaism. He's obviously been impacted by the lives of the the Jews that he looks after. We're going to look at how they speak about him in a moment. But he sends to him elders of the Jew. This is a sign of deep reverence and deep respect for the person that he's approaching. And now the Roman centurion does something that I think is enormously important. And he says, it says here that he sent to the elders of the Jews. And here's a word that you need to highlight and underline. It says asking. A Roman centurion sends elders of the Jews to Jesus, asking him to come and heal his servant. And uh, in the first century, no Roman was accustomed to asking for anything. In fact, what would be customary is for the Roman to send the elders of the Jews and demand that Jesus come to his house and heal his servant. Rome never asked for anything. They demanded everything. But we learn a very important lesson about how we deal with God. There is not a, nobody has a place to demand anything from God. I want to be absolutely 100% clear this morning. God does not have to heal anybody. God does not have to do anything. God chooses to by his amazing grace. There is no theology that says... Although there are some people that would proclaim it. It doesn't matter how many brownie points you think you've built up in heaven. It doesn't matter what you name, claim or anything like that. There is no grounds where we back God into a corner and we make him do anything. However, if we make ourselves available, have a look at what God will do. For those that are working through Rock Reflections... Uh, I love the story of Abraham and Sarah because God comes to Abraham and Sarah. The story of Abraham is the story of a man that God chose to intervene in his life. Wow. But Abraham responded. We'll get to that one later. But God comes and says to Abraham, he says, I'm going to come back in a year. I'm paraphrasing now. He says, and when I do, you're going to have our own son. And, And Sarah laughs. The Bible says that Sarah laughed. Twelve months later, God comes back. Sarah's holding a baby in her arms. And she's holding a baby in her arms, and her exact words in Genesis 22 are, Who would have said? Who would have said that a woman, almost a hundred years old, 
Who would have said by a man that is a hundred years old that I would have a child? And there are people in this room today, I am convinced that there are people in this room today that God wants to do that in your life. That you will turn around and say, who would have said that God would do that for me? And when they came to Jesus, have a listen to what the Jews say now in verse 4. And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly saying, he is worthy. Have a listen to the language there. Jesus, you should change the course of what you're doing now. You should, you should definitely come and heal this servant. You should, you should definitely come and do what he asks because he is worthy. It's interesting how we assign worth according to deeds. Listen to this. He is worthy to have you do this for him, for he loves our nation and he's the one who built us our synagogue. Guess what? He's not worthy at all. And guess what? You're not worthy. There's no actions that you have done that mean you are worthy. You are worthy in God's sight because of who you are. Every single person has intrinsic worth in the sight of God, not because of what you do, not because of how many brownie points, not because of who your mum and dad is, or that would have been okay for my boys. I didn't hear a single amen then. Not one. Maybe I need some prayer afterwards. Amen. Okay, uh, if everybody can read that, I'm taking it down. <laughs> now, your worth is not based on what you do. And here's something that we're going to see in a moment. Uh, the, the centurion's going to teach us a very valuable lesson. God's worth is not based in what he does either. God is worthy, 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 not because he does anything. God is worthy, worthy, worthy because he is. He is worthy to have you do this for him, for he loves our nation, and he's the one who built us our synagogue. Okay, fair enough. Jesus went with them. When he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends saying to him, Lord, underline that word. Isn't that interesting? It's interesting that a Roman centurion would use the word Lord in reference to anybody apart from Caesar. You get killed for that. What I found interesting when I was reading this account was that before Jesus says anything, before Jesus does anything, before Jesus has even got anywhere near his house, you're Lord. Whatever happens today doesn't change the fact that you're Lord because you're Lord. You were Lord before I came to you. You will be Lord after I've come to you. No matter what happens, no matter how it works, no matter what goes on today, Jesus, you are Lord. Wow. From a Roman. There's a very high chance, and I pray that it changes, there's a very high chance that heaven will be full of Romans and empty of Jews. Lord, do not trouble yourself. This is where it starts to get a little bit freaky now. Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. And how I wish Jesus had to come under his roof. (laughs) Going to a Gentile's house was considered to be unclean, by the way. I would have loved Jesus to have just waltzed on in there. 
for I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore, I did not presume to come to you. Wow, listen to the language here. Uh, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof. I, I did not presume to come to you. Before we go any further, can I just make a statement? God loves bold, audacious faith. You know the parable with the persistent widow? There's a good lesson there about we should persist in prayer, absolutely. But the, the widow had no grounds and no basis to approach the judge. That's, that's the idea in the parable. No grounds. And it says that the judge gets up and gives her justice, not because there was anything in the widow that she deserved it, but simply because she kept nagging him. Every husband went, hey, Amen. We're going to need a back door. Um, pray for that. But therefore, I did not presume to come to you. Here we go. But just say the word. What? But just say the word. And in one sentence, this Roman centurion has elevated Jesus above every magician, above every deity that Rome thought they had, has just elevated Jesus above all of that. There's no need for ritual here, Jesus. There's no, there's no need for ceremony here, Jesus. I don't need you to come under my house. I don't need you to lay hands on. You just speak the word from where you are. What, what are you talking about? Well, he, the Roman thought you'd ask that question. So you know what he said? I'll, I'll clarify for you. But you just say the word and let my servant be healed. Why? For I too am a man under authority. He understood authority. And if you're here this morning, I want you to know that Jesus has authority over depression. I want you to know that Jesus has authority over addiction. I want you to know that Jesus has authority over every illness you can name. Because the Roman centurion got that. Thank you, Steve. The Roman centurion got it. Listen to his words. For I too am a man set under authority with soldiers under me. I say to one, go, and he goes. Doesn't happen in my household. Oh no, that's right. Uh, I know I'm under authority. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I heard you, Basil. <coughs> I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. What's he saying? I understand what authority looks like. I understand that you have all the authority. You, you're not a magician. You're God. And so therefore you can just speak the word from where you are and nothing is impossible for you. You you just speak the word from where you are. I I want you to know today, we're going to sing a couple of songs when we're finished and you have every opportunity to come out the front. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to pray for you. But you want to know what? God could heal you in your seat. Doesn't need me. God, you could wake up tomorrow morning, go into your prayer closet, bang. God can do whatever he, he doesn't need me to do it. He doesn't need church to do it. You don't need to come here, although it's nice when you do. Just say the word and let my servant be healed. Verse 9, when Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him. A Roman centurion made Jesus marvel. He marveled at him and turning to the crowd that followed him, he said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such Faith. We're going to talk a little bit about faith in a moment. But I want to talk about Jesus marvelling. Jesus marvels at the immense faith of the Roman centurion. But there's a point in Mark chapter 6 where Jesus marvelled at something completely different. 
And that was the unbelief of the people at Nazareth. That Jesus says in Luke chapter 4, you know, a prophet in his hometown is never accepted. That's why I moved out of Tassie. <laughs> That's not... <laughs> That's not... They kicked me out. Um, the reality is that when Jesus was in Nazareth, I, I, if you read Luke chapter 4, you can go back a couple of chapters and read this for yourself. Uh, that chapter finishes with, and Jesus could not do any miracles in Nazareth because of their unbelief. You see, God can do whatever he wants. But obviously we can restrict him. Jesus marvelled at the immense faith of the Roman centurion and when he was in Nazareth, he marvelled at their unbelief. There are some misconceptions about faith. If you're able to join us at the Combined Life Group on Wednesday, we're going to talk about faith because... Part of uh, experiencing God in this way definitely encompasses faith. But what is faith? Because it, it changes everything. It changed everything for this Roman centurion. What is faith? It depends on, depends on who you're listening to. It could mean an array of different things. But I think J.I. Packer, uh, God's theologian, passed away uh, earlier this year. But J.I. Packer said very easily, he said, faith is and embrace. And I love that term because you can apply that whether it's to salvation or anything. Faith is an embrace. And then when we embrace, imagine you haven't seen anybody for a while. Imagine you haven't seen Terry for a while. Apart from running the other way, when you do see him. <laughs> I moved over this side. Yeah. It whacked me with the anointing from that side. But an embrace, what do you do when you embrace somebody? You drop everything else. And you grab on to that person. J.I. Packer says that faith is an embrace. It's where you let go of everything else. You let go of reliance. You let go of trust. You let go of uh, a belief in anything or anybody else apart from God. A.W. Tozer says that faith is the hands of the soul that reaches into the divine world and pulls it into our world. Thank you, A.W. Tozer. The Greek is faith is a firm persuasion or conviction based upon hearing. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. That's the faith, Greek word pistis, that is used here. However, if you read Matthew's account of the Roman centurion, I love what Jesus does. Jesus uses the same word and says, I've not found such faith in all of Israel. But then when he addresses the Roman centurion, he says, go and so shall it be done to you as you have believed. Mm. I want to ask a question this morning. Is there a difference between faith and belief? The answer is yeah. Let me explain what I mean by that. Faith is a firm persuasion or conviction based upon hearing. Belief is where you respond. The writer of the Gospel, John, he, he writes his Gospel much later than everybody else and he uses the word believe, which is a verb, by the way. He uses the word believe 99 times in his Gospel and every time he does, it's a verb and what he's urging everyone that he's writing to is, I want you to go beyond conviction. I want you to, everything you've heard about Jesus, everything that you believe in your mind, I want it to become a part of your life. So I want you to believe in him and what he means when he says that is, I want you to live your life in full conviction, in full trust and in full reliance upon Christ. 
He spends his gospel giving us reasons why we should do that. He spends his gospel highlighting the, and contrasting the difference between belief and unbelief. He gives us the seven signs that we should believe in Jesus. This morning I'm asking everybody here to go from faith to belief. We'll pray with you this morning, but you know what? When you wake up tomorrow morning, I'm still asking the same question. Because the fact of the matter is, God desires to be an enormous part of every one of our lives. God desires to be a huge part of your Monday. God desires to be a huge part of your Wednesday. To know Him, to live with Him, to experience Him. There are, I won't go through all of them, there are five major evidences for the existence of God. And the fifth one and the most important one is that he can be known and experienced today. As I bring this to a close, I'm going to ask the, the worship team if they can get ready. But as I bring this to a close, for those that, for the two or three that read the pastor's comments, uh, this morning I wrote about target species. And what I mean by that is as a fisherman, because you know that Jesus called fishermen first, right? He, he did, all right? So, just so we're clear on that. But as a fisherman, uh, we do something called uh, targeting fish. So we don't just go out and throw a line in. Uh, whenever I go fishing, I'm targeting a particular kind of fish. If I catch something else, it's called a bycatch. But I'm targeting a specific kind of fish. And whether it's trout or up here, whether it's Saratoga or, or a lot of guys chase fish called mangrove jack up here, whatever it is, there's an enormous amount of work that goes in for every fish. You don't kind of see that. No fisherman admits it, particularly Reuben. But uh, uh, at the end of the day, sometimes we can spend all day fishing, trying everything, and everything comes together and we catch one fish. But this morning what I wrote about was... Uh, if you were to, if you were able to, because I, I, I can talk to fish, I'm a fish whisperer. <laughs> but if, if you were able to talk to fish and you were asking them to describe what just happened, uh, that fish would say, you know what, I was just going about my business and, um, you know, I did this, I did that, I did this. If you were to ask the fisherman, uh, what happened here, the fishermen will say, well, after a long period of me casting and, and working and doing all this kind of stuff, I, I, I changed flies 50 times, I did all of these kinds of things. After doing all of that, I finally secured a fish. And what happens is the two would describe the same event from different perspectives, but it's the same event. And uh, I can... I can boast of being a fish whisperer, but I can tell you this now. I can do all the casting I want, but if the fish doesn't cooperate, I'm coming home with a donut. <laughs> it's okay, Stu, we'll pray for you in particular. I'm coming home with a donut. What does that mean? It means that there is a response that is needed from the fish. And faith is nothing more half the time than a response. God, I, I'm stepping out and sometimes it doesn't make sense. Sometimes it can be frightening. Sometimes, uh, please hear me this morning, I'm not saying don't ever go back to the doctor. I'm not saying that you shouldn't go and engage counsellors. I think they do a great work. 
But do all of that with your eyes fixed completely on Christ, please. Because at the end of the day, he's the only one that transforms. At the end of the day, he's the one that has the power to heal. And I believe that this morning. And so this morning, uh, I'm going to ask everybody and give you the opportunity that if God's put his finger on your heart today, I'm going to give you the opportunity to respond. Just like that fish, I'm going to give you the opportunity to respond. And we're going to make space for God to do whatever he wants to do here this morning. And we believe that he is able. Let's pray as the worship team get ready. Father, this morning, I know that all you need to do is speak the word. Lord, we just affirm right now and we thank you that you have authority. You have authority over addictions. You have authority over sickness. You have authority over sin. You have authority over relationship difficulties. You have authority over all these things. And Lord, I want you to know that whatever happens here today, you're Lord no matter what happens. Our God is able. And so, Lord, on that confession, Lord, this morning, we just thank you that you're always, thank you that you're always speaking to us. Thank you that you're always seeking to reach out to us. And today, Lord God, we just desire to respond. Whether it's in our seats this morning, whether it's coming out the front, we just desire to respond to you and to reach out to you. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. To be notified when the next episode is available, subscribe on our website at therock.org.au. You can also connect with us on Facebook at The Rock Christian Church. We hope you have been blessed today and we look forward to you joining us for our next episode.